Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel one by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10. What a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Herb Smith touchdown. Five fire rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. 610 at WSBT Sportsbeat continues on this Wednesday evening. I'm joined by the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, Tyler Horka. During the offseason, he always joins us on Wednesdays to talk Notre Dame football and many reasons to talk Notre Dame football today, including the scrimmage that you had to chance to watch last night at South Bend's old school field as the Irish took their talents away from Notre Dame Stadium and and the campus to work out on the field turf there in South Bend. So let's get right into it, Tyler. I think a lot of interesting things came from that scrimmage last night, including the defense performing very well, knowing that Jared Parker didn't show much of his full hand last night as he wasn't going to display for all of you guys in the media that, hey, here's what we're going to do. So it was probably a really generic offense. So I guess, Tyler, how do you balance knowing the defense looked really, really good last night and knowing they didn't probably get the offense's best shot? Yeah, I mean, I guess you take both of those things and you just kind of compartmentalize them because you wanted to see that from the defense because I think there are some questions about this defense, uh, really at all three levels. Uh, I, I know we've talked a lot about the defensive line and maybe what they don't have, but inversely, that kind of looked like the best unit uh, on the defense last night when you weigh in the secondary and the linebackers as well. So some really good individual performances. I thought uh, Al Golden, Al Washington, those guys had some stunts ready for the Notre Dame offensive line that kind of overwhelmed that unit. And I, I think that's where you look at the offense and say, okay, you saw enough good individual performances from the offense where Sam Hartman had a couple touchdowns. Steve Angeli threw the ball really well. Uh, some of the wide receivers made plays, not as many as I'd like to see, but I think that goes back to a pretty vanilla route tree and not a lot going on with the offense as a whole. But you saw enough from the offense individually to say, okay, I mean, they've got some dudes and they're going to be fine on Saturdays. But you look at the offensive line, and I think that is still kind of an incomplete puzzle where – You've got two pieces there at the guard positions that are kind of weighing the whole thing down. And, I mean, nothing speaks to that as much as what we've seen in the last week, let alone last night, where you go into camp and you think you have two starters and Billy Trout and Andrew Kostopic, and then you go to school field on Tuesday night, and neither of those guys Hmm. are running with the ones. And when they're running with the twos, they didn't look particularly good. And even the guys that replaced them, Pat Coogan, left guard, and um, Rocco Spindler, right guard, they had some lapses. They had some moments where that didn't look really good. So, I mean, it's it's kind of like I said, it's an incomplete puzzle where 
there's nothing more frustrating than putting together a puzzle, a puzzle, and you don't have that piece. <laughs> whether you you lost it in the couch crevice, or you know maybe it was a faulty box, whatever it was, dog ate it. I don't know. You put that thing together, and if that piece isn't there, the whole thing doesn't look right. It doesn't go well. You can't frame it and put it on the wall and show grandma, right? So there's some things to figure out in the next couple of weeks with this Notre Dame offensive line, but defensively, I think that group has taken some strides. They're figuring out some personnel, and uh, those guys look really good, as we said. Tyler, I know you did a lot of work last night focusing on starting quarterback Sam Hartman. You've got a piece right now that folks can read at blueandgold.com, basically documenting Sam Hartman's night last night. So with everything we just talked about in discussing the defense of the offense last evening, how would you assess the way Sam Hartman looked last night? Yeah, it looks pretty good. Um, and I wrote in that article that you mentioned, which, by the way, yes, it was a lot of work last night, and I'm glad that the Texas Rangers are on the West Coast right now because it gave me two reasons to be up. I got to see them beat the Oakland Athletics uh, last night. We won't talk about what happened today, but, yeah, it was kind of fun to write that thing and, and stare over at the TV every now and again when I needed a little mental break. But, yeah, Hartman looked good. Um, if I remember correctly, he was 7 of 12 in this. Uh, we've never really seen him do – it's usually 7 on 7 or 11 on 11. We saw him do a little 3 on 3 action where – there were three pass catchers that Hartman could throw to, and then there were a couple defensive backs and a linebacker kind of working on zone coverage. So the offense kind of had an upper hand because if you go three on three and the defense isn't playing man, you're only playing zone, odds are guys are going to find little pockets in the zone. And Hartman was accurate. He, he hit those guys. I think, again, he was 7 of 12 in, in that portion, and then 7 of 14 in the 11 on 11 portion. So you don't really want to see him hover around. 50% like he did last night. But like I said earlier, he threw a couple touchdown passes, uh, looked really good on both of those. They were both kind of shorter throws, but they were the right reads. And again, with the vanilla offense that Jared Parker was showing us, I think that's what we were looking for the most from Hartman was, okay, is he going to take what the defense gives him in this uh, period of practice that's kind of geared toward and set up for the defense to perform better? And he did. The one area where I thought maybe he was getting a little restless or he was frustrated with the offensive line play or whatever it was, he took a bunch of deep shots last night. I want to say four to five in 11 on 11, and he didn't complete any of them. One of them was an interception intended for Matt Salerno down the left side. It was double coverage. If Sam Hartman is throwing that ball on Saturdays, you're going to have a lot of uh, TV purchases on Sunday because – Notre Dame fans are throwing their remote through the, the screen. <laughs> um, yeah, it wasn't a great decision. But the other ones were decent decisions. And, again, I think he was a little frustrated. And he said, you know what, if this offense isn't going to you know, protect me and I'm not going to be able to make some of these shorter throws, I'm just going to lob it up to Tobias Merriweather and Jaden Thomas, see if they can make some catches. They couldn't. But that was mostly because he overthrew a couple of them. And then the coverage was really good. Jaden Mickey had the coverage on those two guys a couple times. Kristen Gray, the freshman corner, was really good in tracking receivers on the deep routes and staying with guys. So a little bit of a mixed bag, which is what you expect for a practice on August 8th. Um, but I saw enough where I didn't come away from it, you know, like one of those spring practices where I was like, oh, man, I don't, I don't know if this is working right now. I, I think it is going to work. I saw enough signs that tells me it is. He's Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated. Check out his work, including that article we referenced at blueandgold.com. 
based on what you have watched so far in fall camp, if Sam Hartman were to miss a couple of games, how well will the Irish offense perform in your estimation with the way Steve Angeli has been looking so far in late July and in early August? I think that would be fine. Um, it would look different. And Gino Guduli said this to us uh, about a week ago, almost a week ago when we spoke to him. It would look different because Steve Angeli is not a 60-year graduate senior like Sam Hartman is. He hasn't done some, some of the things in college football that, can, that Sam Hartman has done. And quite frankly, they're different players to begin with. There, there's some things that Angeli will probably never be able to do that Sam Hartman does. But I'm starting to see enough things from him to say, yeah, this guy is a starting quarterback at this level. Obviously, if all goes well for Notre Dame this season, he's not going to start at all as a sophomore. But uh, I'm starting to buy into the Steve Angeli 2024 hype train, which I know my colleague Mike Singer would love. Uh, if, if he listens to this, then he's going to be pumping his fists. But he's a sturdy guy back there. Uh, good arm. Sam Hartman even applauded his arm in a press conference last week, said the guy can really sling it. We've seen that. Uh, he had the best, you know, if you're talking pure football throwing, you know, what did it look like? How did it end up result-driven type of assessments last night? He had the, the best throws of the night. A couple touchdowns to Matt Salerno. Uh, there was an opener early in practice where Marcus Freeman tries to set the tone, and he sent the ones out there, and Sam Hartman had an incomplete pass. Um, or actually, I think it was a shovel pass that kind of got blown up to Ron Payne uh, up the middle. The, the defensive line was all over it. And then when the twos went out there, there was a, a formation with four targets on the right side of the formation. Only Matt Salerno singled up on the left side. Forget the defensive back who was covering him, but you can read about that at bullandgold.com. Kind of everything goes to the right, and Angeli said, you know what? I'm going to throw this fade up to the left to Matt Salerno, and it was a perfect ball. I mean, right over the top of the defensive back. Imagine you're trying to hit that back pylon with the football because you know where that's, the, that's where you want the wide receiver to be and the defensive back can't get there. That's the type of play that it was. So really impressive, uh, and I think it's all mental maturity and physical maturity and just progression and growth with Angeli. And, I mean, that's what comes with – I wrote about this at BlueAndGold.com too – um, he's going into his 12th game as the true backup for Notre Dame when they go to Ireland to play Navy. I mean, he took over as the backup in early September last year, and he's had that role ever since. So I know he hasn't thrown a pass in the college ranks, and I know he hasn't you know, started a game, obviously, but uh, the guy is just maturing at an expedited rate, and I think it's really helped him out. Tyler, the running game looked a little different in the scrimmage last night with Audric Estime a little banged up. Nothing to be concerned about. Probably more maintenance than anything. We're in early August. What did the run game look like without Estime, knowing it's pretty much it was a running game in which they kind of ran up the back of the center, it seemed like, most of the night? Yeah, they did. It was all uh, you know between the, the center and the guards. And this is another thing that kind of set up the, the defense was that we didn't see a running play until I want to say after 20 or 30 minutes had already gone by in 11 on 11. So it was nothing but passing plays where the offense can kind of catch the defense by surprise there. Then they went to do some individual work, special team stuff and came back and then it was run, 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 run. So the defense knew what it was, was looking for. And I think this was more of a test uh, putting the offensive line on the spot saying, Hey, these guys know, 
what's coming. Can you put a hat on a hat and, and get a block and, and generate some push and some movement up front? They couldn't, so that's on the offensive line. But I thought Jadarian Price and Devin Ford looked really good nonetheless. Those were the two guys carrying the load. And, and for Jadarian Price to get in there and take some licks, man. I mean, he was getting kind of crunched in the situation that I was just talking about where it's just, you know, off the guard, off the guard, off the guard, try to find a hole, <laughs> weren't, weren't many old – weren't many holes to, to come by and he was just kind of kind of getting pounded in there. He looked good. He's taking hits. This is a guy that tore his Achilles 13 months ago. So that was impressive. And then I wrote about Devin Ford as one of my five offensive standouts. He caught a touchdown pass from Sam Hartman. So that was really impressive. Made a move on Jalen Sneed in the open field to get into the end zone. And then every time that you had the ball, uh, you know, it felt like it was in good hands and, and secure. And again, nobody was breaking out really big runs last night but he did have what I would say was the best run of the night I think it was a third and sixth situation and it was in that run period so defense knows what's coming credit the offensive line for this one did kind of part the seas but Ford took what he you know could and, and ran up the middle and, and gained eight to ten yards for a first down so uh, no estimate again you called it maintenance we're both hockey guys I think we hear that term <laughs> a lot yeah. uh, you know when a hockey player doesn't choose to practice but still plays in the game later that night. I think it was that kind of day for Estime. And, you know, Price and, and Ford stepped up. I think those guys are, are really good reserves and compliments to Audric Estime for sure. At this point of fall camp, your best guess to which freshman wide receiver will make the quickest impact with this team? Uh, I, I don't want to sound cliche and everyone's heard it, but it's Jaden Greathouse and – I guess, you know, there's been some back and forth with Jaden Greathouse and Rico Flores. I've tweeted out some videos of Rico Flores doing just immaculate, ridiculous things with body control, and his hands are really good, strong dude, can play through contact. But Jaden Greathouse kind of does all of those same things, and he plays a position that I think is going to lend itself to a little bit more playing time. And I know Flores is splitting time with Merriweather at the field receiver position, but I mean, Greathouse just gets open, and that's what you want slot receivers to do. And Chris Tyree, as good as he's looked in this reinvention of himself, is still a little bit of an experiment. And I just think that Jaden Greathouse has done enough in the spring and then dominate uh, summer workouts and come into the, the fall and just pick up right where he left off, and he looks even better. I mean, this guy's going to get on the field against Navy in Dublin, Ireland. I have no doubt about that. And I wouldn't be surprised if he caught, you know, a handful of balls too, maybe five catches for 60 yards, maybe even a touchdown. I mean, that's how much I've bought into this guy. Mm. Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated, my guest. There might be a lot of candidates for the answer to this question, but Tyler, who do you think in fall camp amongst the defensive linemen have helped themselves the most? Yeah, I guess somebody's going to want me to say something like, uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste or, you know, Jordan Battelle or someone that we know is going to start. But I think Joshua Burnham, the sophomore Viper, has done wonders for himself. And I, I think he's going to get on the field a bunch this year, too, because we're not quite sure what Jordan Battelle looks like as a three-down Viper. And, uh, you know, may, maybe he does struggle a little bit and, and Notre Dame has to switch some things up there. Burnham is very much in that mix. Junior Tui Halamaka was running with the twos at Viper for most of camp. He was one of those guys that probably had a maintenance day, if you will, yesterday. He didn't take any of the team periods. So you give all of those reps to Joshua Burnham, and then 
it was more so geared toward the twos and the threes last night anyway, which I think going back to Angeli is a big reason why he had so much success is because he was given a lot of opportunities. But with Burnham, you, you give him opportunities. And I know he was going up against some tackles who uh, have some work to do uh, for the Notre Dame offensive line, to say the least. But, man, I, I go back to what Al Golden told us at the very beginning of camp where Joshua Burnham just looks like a very physical, sturdy kid. I mean, tall rangy length but got good size and bulk as well and he just gets around tackles man and gets into the backfield and that's what you're looking for at the viper position and and quite frankly i think he could probably do some things in coverage if notre dame ever wants the viper to go down that direction too you didn't see as see it as much with isaiah fossey but joshua burnham's athletic enough to do some things in that regard as well Mm. so he's really turned it on and that's you know Sometimes what you get with the freshman to sophomore, you get a guy who can make a leap and he chooses to pour everything into that and, you know, reach the rewards for it. And I think that's happening right now with Burnham. All right. Final question for you, Tyler. I asked our listeners on Twitter this question earlier this week, based on the coaches preseason rankings, which of these four teams do you feel like will not live up to their preseason ranking? I'll give you four choices. Ohio state at four. USC at six, Clemson at nine, or Notre Dame at 13. Which of those four will not live up to that preseason ranking? Mm, I didn't see this one on Twitter. I I like that one. Um, I'm kind of high on all of these teams is is the weird thing. I I love Caleb Williams, obviously. I think people are dogging Clemson too much. I think they stay in the top ten. Maybe they lose one or two games, so – I, think, I still think they stay in the top 10. Okay. I think I've said it before on this show that I think Notre Dame's probably going to end up 9-3. and three. So, I don't know. Is I'd have to look at polls. Is, uh, is, would 9-3 and three get you the number 13 record at the end of the year? Um, you know the answer to that off the top yeah, of your head? I'm not it'd sure. It'd be close. I think it would be close in the ballpark. Yeah, so definitively – um, I don't know if I can – I mean, were the results to this Twitter poll, like, neck and neck? Because I think they should be. Obviously, you've got a Notre Dame following, so maybe it's a little slanted, but I would think that this would be pretty close. So I'm struggling to find an answer. Yeah, USC and Clemson were neck and neck. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, I like both of those teams, though. I think Clemson is, is going to stay in the top ten, and I think okay. USC is going to, you know, do everything it can to only lose one or two games with, you know, a Heisman Trophy – returner you look at Ohio State I think they have a playoff team everywhere but we don't know about the quarterback if the quarterback you know if if Kyle McCord comes in and and he does what Ohio State quarterbacks have done for the last 10 years then I think that team makes the playoff again they might even beat Michigan in Ann Arbor I think that is this year right so that's a really good Twitter poll question Darren I give you credit for that I I couldn't come up with a definitive answer but I think you know the, the coaches did their due diligence and put all those teams at pretty good rankings to start the year. Okay, very good. What's happening right now at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com? Oh, I was just thinking right when you were talking about, uh, you know, all all the hard work that we did last night, I think I've posted seven, six or seven articles in the last 24 hours since that practice at school field. So premium articles out the wazoo at blueandgold.com. <laughs> can read about Sam Hartman, Steve Angeli, the offense. My colleague Jack Sobel did a really good job breaking down the defensive line and then the linebackers. We have some standouts. And then projected depth charts based on what we saw because you can glean a lot from where these guys are going to line up based on 
watching a full practice. So everything that you need about Notre Dame football is at blueandgold.com. And I think we're only 17 days away, so now's the time to subscribe and, and get ready to rock and roll for the season. Better believe it. Very good. Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated. Read his work at blueandgold.com. Enjoy the visit. We'll try it again next week. All right. Thanks, Darren. Thank you, sir. Tyler Horka joining me here on WSBT Radio. 629 is our time. When I return, we'll wrap up our opponent previews. The one team we have not gotten to is the team that could be without a conference very, very soon. The old Stanford Cardinal. That conversation coming up next on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 